your friend, the therapist. On this podcast, we're skipping the small talk and working to destigmatize mental health through intimate conversations with everyday people about their mental health journeys and how they stay well in a world that feels like it's falling apart. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. My guest today is Emily Crowder. Emily is a licensed professional counselor associate located in Dallas. Emily is licensed in Texas and Utah, and she works with young adult females who have religious trauma, people-pleasing tendencies, or both. She is a recovering people pleaser herself and continues to heal from her own religious hurt from her Mormon upbringing. Her therapeutic approach is humanistic, strengths-based, and relational, as she helps her clients gain self-trust and cultivate safety while understanding how their past pains have impacted their present relationships and experiences. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So I love to start every conversation with a question. How do you stay well and what does wellness mean for you in your life? I have to say I really loved this question. When you sent the email, I was kind of pondering over what well being well means to me and wellness. And I think well for me is deviating away from good, good and bad. Um, mm. I being raised religious, I am, I was very much, I adhered to black and white mindset, good and bad, right and wrong. And I think so much for me of feeling well, growing into my wellness has been letting go of black and white, moving into the gray and just kind of intuition. So I know that the less I focus on like either societal standards or perceptions of others of judgment once I say oh no like this is how I feel about this or this is how I want to intuitively move my body today or this is this feeling is how I experience this feeling and someone else might experience it differently as I tap more and more into myself then that's what wellness is and feels like to me yeah yeah and what I love about this question is that It's the same question every time and everyone answers it in such different ways Mm -hmm. um, in really thoughtful ways. And I really appreciate this distinction between um, what wellness is versus what is very binary, good and bad, right and wrong. Um, We grew up in two different religions. I grew up evangelical. You grew up Mormon, but it's, it's such a like common theme among both of them, the super rigid thinking. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk more about that, how you move from the binary into this much more fluid and expansive idea of wellness. Um, So I'll throw that question at you. I know this is not one I put in the original email, uh, which is what I love about the organic nature of these conversations. Um, But yeah, either how you yourself shifted from that binary thinking to this more like expansive thinking or how you support your clients in doing that whichever feels most resonant yeah well I think they probably tie strongly together I think the first time I became so aware of my very binary thinking black or white speak even um I was still 
religious. I was kind of in a more nuanced area and I had a therapist I'd been seeing for a while and I actually took a pause seeing her to see another therapist specifically for body image issues and um, I've had um, pretty disordered eating most of my life or I did um, for a while which I attribute to that black and white thinking and also lack of autonomy, restriction, you know, everything that comes with that high control religion, um, which that took me kind of years to process. But it wasn't until sitting down with her, she would kind of just start pointing out to me, um, because I had these views of, I would binge and then restrict. And that in itself is a bit, you know, control, lack of control, black and white. And she would kind of start pointing that out to me of this all or nothing mentality. You know, I'd even something as simple as I was so scared to bring treats into the house because I would eat all of them. And so Mm. it was honestly, at that point, it was kind of terrifying. But she said, give yourself permission, give yourself permission to buy whatever you want at the grocery store, bring it into your house and see what happens. Um, and I still think of her to this day. Her name was Jessica and, you know, we have all of those therapists that have just kind of stuck with us, but those words, give yourself permission is kind of like just what started me on this journey of letting go. And I remember it was such an up and down as healing is, but specifically me trying to give myself permission in the realm of eating and the realm of loving my body, the way it is, it was scary and hard and I was pushing against what I thought I should be or how I thought I should eat all these different things Mm -hmm. or shoulds um but just little by little I saw when I didn't have to confine or restrict then I could find my sweet spot um so it really was her starting by a giving me permission but even be pointing out even my language um it feels like semantics at times but that is how we define our experience So she would point out when I said something was good or bad. Um, And I think now with clients, I very much do the same thing in helping them because we sometimes don't even see it Mm -hmm. till someone puts it out, the beauty of therapy and that sounding board. Um, But with clients, as I hear them kind of label their experiences, even, oh, I know this sounds so bad. I'll say, well, who does that sound bad to? To you, to someone else, to me? and they'll kind of start realizing, oh, I say things sound bad a lot. And then I say, like, what is good to you? And do things have to be good? So we kind of start noticing their language a bit. And I mean, I even think it's kind of the beauty of every client. They all go through healing in such a different way. But when they hit that point, when they come back to me after a session, like the week after, and they say, after last session, I just all week long, I've been noticing how much I do think in black or white or whatever it is they're noticing but specifically that one is such an empowering time for clients that awareness gives them power of what I want to do about this now I want to mm. go into rigidity into intuition and wellness to use the beautiful word that you mm. yeah well and I really appreciate bringing um, intuition into this I'm I'm wondering if you could say a little bit about what what that means for you Yeah, intuition, especially having been raised religious, um, there are different words that were used, religious terminology, to kind of define intuition for me, for us as a collective. Um, And I mean, some of those were in the Mormon religion, we'd say promptings, like promptings by the spirit or 
um, sometimes like inspiration perhaps. And Mm -hmm. so I think as I kind of started to deviate away from religion, I would cling to words that were different. And so intuition and trusting my gut was what I would start to fill in when I would talk about things that were being guided by the spirit. Um, And so very quickly I noticed because even in religion, and I feel for these people, they have a hard time knowing if they're receiving promptings from the spirit. And that, I mean, that can be so difficult, lead to religious scrupulosity, you know, lots of different mm-hmm. difficult things there. Um, but essentially, they're so out of touch with whatever speaks to them, however it speaks to them. And for me, I think even in religion, I was always very in touch with inspiration. And at the time, I did think it was the Holy Ghost, spirit, whatever it was, answer to prayers. And I think that kind of gave me a leg up as soon as I was able to define it as intuition. I saw, oh, like that was my intuition all along. I could kind of tap into a sense of what felt right for me. Um, Maybe not right or wrong, but right for me. Um, But yeah, intuition is like the most beautiful thing and the most complex Mm. thing because it really is our own voice. And I see with clients, it's terrifying that's why we want the black and white good wrong yeah. right because we can stick to that cling to that um the gray is both much more freeing and more terrifying because it's living outside of bounds but then living for us right so yeah it's yeah I'd love to hear your thoughts on intuition I think that's such a beautiful word and everybody has their own idea mm. of it what do you think of intuition yeah oh, I love your turning this back around on me <laughs> Yeah, hear about from you, but yeah, <laughs> I think I think of it similarly, and um, ironically, I whenever I talk to people who grew up in the Mormon religion, it's so interesting to me because Mormonism and evangelicalism, fundamentalism, are not that different, and yet I don't know about you, but in my upbringing, it was like anyone outside of evangelical. Well, we didn't even use the word evangelical, but Mormons, Catholics, everyone else is like wrong and so different. And then I see like, "Mm, we're not that different. Um, So that being said, yeah, I think of intuition similarly. I, I think that a lot of what we attributed within religion when I was younger and, and still now where it's still existing, um, what we call the Holy Spirit, right, is intuition. Um, yeah, I think intuition is like this inner, inner voice. I think intuition can be inner wisdom. And I also love to think about it in terms of, um, my body's wisdom, which is something that, you know, at least in evangelicalism, and and please feel free to speak to this in your experience, but that we're so explicitly told to disconnect from our emotions, from our bodies. And those things are how we experience our intuition. Like I, I love now to teach clients about the different purpose of each of their emotions. Our, our emotions are tools to communicate something to us. And our body is always communicating. Um, Yeah, intuition was absolutely not a word that I heard growing up. And what you just said too about 
all these words kind of being weaponized against us and being able to find new language is so important. And I think you posted a reel recently about how valuable it can be to reclaim some of those other words, um, which has absolutely been a process. But yeah, I, I think similarly, I gravitated towards new language to define my experience. Um, yeah, this like concept of my own inner wisdom has been probably the most healing part of my like deconstruction and recovery. So much so that I got a tattoo recently um, that said my ultimate authority is the divine voice in my own soul, which comes from yeah, Emily is like has a hand to her heart. Um, <laughs> that comes from Sue Monk Kid's book, The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. Um, but I think I just like talked on and on, but I could have just said that one sentence for that is what intuition means to me. I love that. Well, and speaking of being in touch with bodies and emotions, as you said that, when things just like resonate with my soul, I often get, I mean, people say they have chills, but I just feel it all through my legs and arms. And I just, I felt such a visceral reaction as you said that reclaiming mm -hmm. your body, your inner wisdom, your inner intuition for yourself is, I can relate as well. That is the most powerful part of my deconstruction and redefining my life, reclaiming it has been saying, wait, I do know what's best. I was told for so long I didn't. And my body tells me these things. My emotions tell me these things. I am all that I need to tell me what I think of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what reclaiming has looked like for you. Obviously, we talked a little bit about language. Like, what is that? It's such a broad topic and just so, like, juicy the topic yeah, yeah what a great way to describe it I agree I think it's reclaiming I will be excited to see how you know I talk about with clients how there's layers to healing like I always joke about that quote from Shrek how ogres are like onions I always tell clients like, us and our healing are like onions like even me I mean I'm definitely not perfect in any way but sometimes I think oh I have all that I know about myself and I'm learning right I've been in therapy for so long and I'm constantly shocked by new things I learn about myself as I peel back layers and I have an idea and so far my experience has shown that reclaiming will be the same and there will be even more ways that we redefine or reclaim things we've already redefined or reclaimed um but it, yeah, what like a big juicy thing, a big ju juicy question process. I think for me, reclaiming is a lot of sitting back and noticing what I've evolved to. I think a lot of times mm -hmm. I like, I'm such a reflector. I'm so introspective. I love journaling in different ways or even having conversations with my partner or friends. And I think sitting back, like even this past Sunday, I went out um, and got coffee and went shopping with a friend who's also actually um, post-Mormon. Um, we didn't know each other super well as we were both in Mormonism, but us just sitting back and talking about how, like, look, such a common thing about reclaiming our Sundays, that look at what our day is now, um, what we're doing, and we're connecting. I think me just noticing it in those little moments, those little experiences of, oh, look, 
Like my Sunday right now looks so different than it did years ago. And Mm -hmm. to me, this feels a lot more right and true to who I am and what I need. I'm getting connection. I'm getting, I'm filling my day with people and things that allow me to cultivate more safety and more connection to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually really appreciate, um, I don't I don't think you meant to do this but like the resistance to being like here's the five steps to reclaiming your identity right because it is that is again this like black and white thinking or very rigid thinking and that there's so much expansiveness even within the reclamation and, and reclaiming mm-hmm. um yeah I we talk a lot you know, in the Instagram world about reclaiming Sundays or reclaiming whatever your church day was. Um, and those like really concrete ways of reclaiming are really valuable. And like you said, there's room for just like this process will unfold organically yeah. as it does. Yeah. I know another huge one is reclaiming our bodies, obviously, as we kind of already talked about, but even clothing mm-hmm. I was putting on, I got, um, I ordered a shirt and it's by Mormon standards and modest or how I used to label it. Yeah. And of course, as I started kind of shedding Mormonism and literally shedding the layers of clothing, the shirt that I tried on just earlier today, I would have felt so uncomfortable, even in the early stages of my deconstruction. And the fact that I could put it on and you know, not even think twice about what parts of my body were showing or mm. it being immodest, but also worrying about people's judgments about, you know, if I have a little bit of extra skin or body there, whatever mm. it might be. Um, it was powerful even then, like looking in the mirror saying, oh, I love the shirts. I love how it looks on me. And I'm not thinking of all of these other things that I'm told others will think about or judgments about me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think like reclaiming can be this like big abstract thing. But yes, it can be so concrete as what are the clothes I'm wearing? Like a big part of my tattoo collection is this reclaiming of my body that like, yeah, I can choose whatever I want to do with my body, with my skin. And I'm allowed to regret that decision later. Not that I do. I don't. But (laughs) there's like... Again, kind of like hearkening back to what you were saying about food and giving yourself permission to like, okay, so you eat all the treats. You're allowed to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, I often tell my clients who are like really stressing about like making the right or the wrong decision that there's no right or wrong decision. There's just the next choice, the next decision. Mm-hmm. I love that. I had almost an exact similar thought train as you were talking about your body. I was thinking of giving ourselves permission and also similarly with clients as they're just kind of almost an agony sometimes about what they want to do. And I just sit and explore it with them. I say, whatever you do, if you learn that it wasn't for you, then you just learned a little bit more about yourself. And the most important thing is to reach for compassion and understanding why you chose that and why you maybe don't want to choose something similarly in the future. It's literally just you creating your own game of life as you go through this. It's not Mm. following a board that's already made for you. Right. Mm. Yes. And as, as we're talking about this, I've been thinking about these topics a lot recently and, um, and maybe this is like a millennial Gen Z 
thing, but this like when you lose these very rigid boundaries that religion provides, this sense of like existential crisis, <laughs> I guess. Like if there's no more meaning to find for me, all right, what do I what do I do now? Um, I'm not necessarily asking you to like solve that problem, but I'm curious if that if you've experienced that or something like that and like how you are kind of grappling with that within yourself. Yeah. I mean, definitely that whole sitting in the gray and letting go of a set idea of what this life is about, you know, then it causes you to wonder, well, what do I think or what do I want to be about? Mm -hmm. Or am I okay with it not being about anything? Um, Have you seen everything everywhere all at once? Yes. Yeah. It's a good one love that movie and I think that kind of um defines a lot for me what my views or experience and the kind of existential sort of questioning um it's highlighted so even so my partner is a bit annihilistic and I this is something I've deconstructed some or tried to reclaim I'm such a meaning maker um and part of it is just wanting to find purpose in life um but also kind of seeking for meaning in things. Um, Definitely a spiritual aspect I hold now, but I do think a bit of religion kind of ingrains that in me, that kind Mm. of making meaning out of things. Um, And it's who I am now, whether I got it from religion or not. But so I am kind of always seeking for meaning. He doesn't really see much need for meaning. And so in watching everything everywhere all at once, um, the mom and the daughter they're both just more nihilistic like what's the point of anything and then the husband I forget how he says it he says it so well and tenderly he's like well the thing is is if there's no point don't we at least want to like have joy and like be with each Mm -hmm. other and just like find the good and find the love um and that it like portrayed my me and my partner so well and we found so much connection in that but it just portrayed to me this whole idea of yeah, there might not be a point to this world in terms of, you know, making it to heaven. Maybe I don't know what I fully believe about an afterlife right now. I don't think there's one and that's neither here nor there right now, but mm. it's more, all I know is right now I have this present moment being with myself, being with whoever else I'm with and just making it what I want it to be. And if there isn't a point, if there is a point, then don't I at least want to find joy and find the good and just in terms of what I need. Yeah. Yeah. That there's there's room for uncertainty in that view, but there's a groundedness too that like just just because I don't have all the answers doesn't mean I need to go about my life feeling really untethered. I'm imagining, like, as we're having this conversation, speaking of reclaiming your body, I can feel when I start to talk about nihilism, which, like, I think is fascinating, and I'm reading a book called The Sunny Nihilist right now, which my therapist recommended and has been a very fascinating read. Uh I will link that in the show notes for folks who want to check it out. Um, But I can start to feel myself, like, drifting, like, Mm -hmm. in my body, like, starting to disconnect, and I feel this, like, all right, I need to, like, stand in some grass grass is here. My dog is here, you know, like ground into joy or this present moment. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love that. And I think something that's so interesting is I think about when me and my partner, partner started t- 
talking, getting to know each other, I had actually, that was me just in my early stages of deconstruction. And he told me pretty straight on, pretty clearly, it was relative to whatever we were talking about, but he told me he was pretty nihilistic. And I, whether it's me being a meaning maker, wanting some sense of groundedness or my religious infused upbringing, whatever it is, um, I did feel, I relate a lot to what you're saying of kind of like this drifting feeling and almost in that time, it was almost this panic of, oh, oh mm. what does that mean for what his life is, what our life is as we're starting to intertwine together. Um, mm. It was almost scary that just unknown ambiguity and so I do think balance in all things just like you're saying finding allowing this uncertainty and then also reminding myself oh I crave some sense of understanding and meaning and I find that through being grounded and deciding what I want from my moment-to-moment experience yeah yeah I mean we are meaning making creatures like even nihilism is a way of making meaning um in some sense right in the same way that agnosticism is in itself like a belief system yeah like I think it's just so human for us to want to make meaning and to want to have a purpose and that's what I I'm not a theologian but I imagine that's part of why religions came to exist is that we want to make meaning of our worlds and of higher powers and yeah we love and crave putting some form of label or definition on things even just to empower us to understand ourselves more yeah yeah and i i think that the um that movie everything everywhere all at once is such a powerful example of that and i i don't know if this is a product of deconstruction but i am like fascinated by the concept of the multiverse and like I know we're getting like very philosophical maybe because it's like Friday afternoon when we're recording this like at least for me end of the work week um but this like concept that what we know is such a limited perspective of it's only our view of reality and there's like so much more to the world um you know multiverse whatever people can have fun with it like you know you do what you want with it um but it reminds me that like what you see is not necessarily all there is which is I don't know helpful I'm getting like very abstract now (laughs) what you're talking about it actually brings me to something that I was thinking as I was thinking through um how to like help clients find their wellness which I think was a question you had well but as you talk about this I think of been thinking of the vastness of the universe and a lot of times I feel it with nature too when I go to national parks I feel Mm. both so significant and insignificant at the same time like wow I get to be a part of this vastness and also everything is so much bigger than just me and Mm. my world and what I'm experiencing right it kind of I think if you're willing to lean into that you can get a lot of perspective in nature and thinking of the vastness of the universe and all that is and all that we don't even know um Mm. and I think it helps if you're willing to lean into that perspective it reminds us that our experience is our experience and we don't know any better what others experiences 
are or what they can be or should be, all we can do is listen. And I think of my clients, um, I'm very person-centered, Rogerian, humanistic of, and I learn this more and more. I believe it and I learn how to believe it more, but I truly believe each client is the, they are the expert of their own life. They know what's yeah. best and all I can do is learn from them. And I think our world needs a lot more of that, right? And so yeah. even as they try to find what wellness means to them, I know what wellness means to me. I know how I found wellness. I'm still learning how I find wellness, my intuition, all these being in touch with my body. And their journey will look very, very different from mine. Mm -hmm. And I need to constantly remember that. And not just with clients, with friends, with my partner, with my family, just realizing their experience is theirs. All I can do is remember that I am separate from that and the parts mm. that I intertwine with, I can try to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so valuable. And I, what I hear in that approach and, and I absolutely identify as that as my approach to therapy too, but it, for some reason it's, it's much easier for me to apply that to my clients than it is to everyone else in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'll, you know, I'll give a little bit of credit to high control religion for that, but like we're very clearly taught that we have no expertise on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think shifting that perspective in and of itself is a process of reclaiming that mm-hmm. I can trust that this person knows themselves better than I ever will. Their journey can look exactly as it does. And I am allowed to have feelings about that. And I'm allowed to live my life. And it doesn't mean that we need to be disconnected. Like, I think a lot about this in terms of people in my life who are still involved um, within high control religions. And, and I don't know if this was your experience or not, but initially when I started to deconstruct it, it was like, how could they stay in that? How toxic? How could anyone ever be part of organized religion? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more that I, the further away from my own involvement I get because I'm not involved in religion anymore is like just as much as deconstruction was the right choice for me and deconversion, they're allowed to have their experience too. And they're allowed to continue to abide by this, you know, way of living. Um, Just because I have changed doesn't mean that it's wrong for somebody else to continue to remain there. I mean, I think we can get into all the harm that religion objectively, some forms of religion objectively cause. And that's not what I'm referring to here, but just that we're all allowed to choose our path. And that includes the people who um, don't actually see that, that think that we're wrong, you know? No, I relate so much to that of just this, I mean, on one hand, like wanting others to experience what I have experienced Mm -hmm. and then even setting that aside and saying, wait, well, maybe what I've experienced while I know I love the autonomy, the reclamation, for all they know right now, that's what's best for them in religion. And I have to believe that. And all they can do is follow their gut. Hopefully they can be in touch with that. I hope that, that they have their intuition. Right. Um, and I feel a lot of grief when I think of those not even 
being able to tap into their autonomy yeah. and self-trust, right? Um, but hoping that it really is what's best for them. And I have to believe that. Um, there's mm. been a lot of confusion and pain in my own family, um, some family members with my choice to leave religion. And as I have gotten further away, as you have, as you mentioned, I do lean into that belief more and more that them being in religion and them sticking so strongly to it is what's best for them. And that allows me to have so much more compassion for them too, that that's the life that they're choosing. And I love that for them. I didn't love it for me. I don't love the way they treat me sometimes. And that's when boundaries come in play, but Mm -hmm. I love that it works for them. And I hope it works for anyone that it needs to work for. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because it does serve a purpose, Mm -hmm. right? Like religions, high control religions, even cults, right? Like they exist for a reason, not that they're, you know, there's a lot there and and a lot of times choice and autonomy is taken away. Um, But yeah, I, I practice or I teach facilitate trauma sensitive yoga. And we talked a lot in my training like it's specifically for people who have experienced complex trauma, a lot of like dissociation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked we talk a lot about the power of choice and autonomy, and that even the choice to stay dissociated or the choice to, you know, whatever something we might look at as maladaptive or harmful, mm-hmm. is that people are allowed to make that choice. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I mean, we yes, we wish for them to feel whole and safe. Um, I think you know Judith Herman, who wrote Trauma and Recovery, and really put a lot of the our understanding of complex trauma and relational trauma as we know it. Says something like any intervention that takes power away from the survivor. It, it, I'm I'm butchering the quote, but something about that if. An intervention takes power away, takes choice away. It's actually counterproductive. It's not a helpful intervention. Um, Even if that seems, even if we think as the professional or as the family member that this thing is in their best interest, if it takes power and choice away, it's not helping. I love that. Um, For some reason, as you were speaking, what came to mind was a couple of clients at different times who um, turn to alcohol to have a little bit more it's everything with safety and control as everything mm-hmm. is right but wanting to they don't feel safe just kind of hope, like get away from that anxiety they're experiencing or be able to connect also intimacy like connect better with others because of all the guards up and as they process and work through these behaviors that they've chosen is too much for them they don't want to engage in that anymore um and then they come back and say you know this past weekend I drank a lot I say that's okay again that compassion right like that's not a bad choice or wrong choice but I tell them when you do it just have some intentionality just have that awareness tell yourself I'm choosing this right now and that's okay and I'm reclaiming even the power of making this choice that I used to just fall into subconsciously without thinking 
I was like, it's okay. All we want for you in here is to gain more power over your life. And you can make whatever decisions or choices you want to make, but just start to reclaim that power through being more aware of your decisions when you can. Sometimes we can't too, and that's okay, right? But just that awareness piece, I really resonate with what you're saying about reclaiming that choice through our awareness and that power. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful such a powerful approach. Um, I've certainly had therapists who did not take that approach and therapists who have, and it's made all the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I often tell my clients around like substance things or other things that they think are bad. It's like, okay, well, let it be a choice. Mm -hmm. If you want to drink, if you want to smoke, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but like let's let it be something you're choosing and not something that you feel like you have no control over. Yeah. Um, and this is a huge topic. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I know we're going so deep. Um, and I, I just want to name that this is like such a huge topic that you and I could never fully flush out in such a short amount of time or ever. Um, I just want to name that. And I want to maybe shift us to a little bit of a lighter topic as we're sort of wrapping things up and and just hear about like what are you doing watching reading listening to like what are the lighter things in your life that are maybe contributing to joy or wellness or reclamation wherever you want to go with that yeah um I on a kind of just very um like I guess circumstantial note almost um the weather here in Texas is finally getting a little bit nicer it's not in the triple digits it's even Oof. almost hit 80 degrees lately sometimes which is shocking um and I just I find so much joy and connection to myself anytime I'm outside and so just I do I feel such a difference I still find ways to move my body yoga dance different things at different times but mm-hmm getting to be outdoors, walking more, running more, riding my bike, I feel so much more like myself. And it's just honestly wild. So I, even though I know that it's wild once cooler weather comes around, seeing that difference, um, mm. going for walks in the morning with my dog because I don't sweat so much and I want to stay out longer. Um, yeah, that's been definitely a source of joy and just kind of coming back to myself in a way that I love the summer months. It's my favorite time of year, but also I... I need the cooler weather to want to be outdoors more. (laughs) Yes. It's so funny. You know, I'm in Massachusetts. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, cooler weather. Yeah, it was like a nice 55 degrees this morning. (laughs) I'm like, 80 degrees. That is like a hot day. (laughs) I know. And sad that that's cool to me now. 55 sounds so nice. (laughs) Yeah. Cozy up with a blanket. Yeah, but it's all perspective, right? That this is like allows you to get outside feel a little bit more comfortable. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure your dog is too. I know. You probably hear him walking around in the background here. Moving around. (laughs) Mine is too. She's always here. Um, She's in the, people can't see, but I have a portrait of her behind me. I'm, I don't hide my obsession. Um, Anyway, I'm, I'm curious if you have any last thoughts, any, words for people who might be interested in working with you, what you want them to know either about where they can find you or, or what people should know about what working with you is like. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I think a lot of what we've touched on today with intuition um, and kind of autonomy, reclaiming our lives is so much of what I focus on. Um, just self-trust, especially, too. Mm-hmm. That goes along with the intuition, reclaiming all of that. Um, I, My clients, when they come to me, I tell them in our initial phone call, um, I will be giving you the power, the control, the choice, the direction. Of course, I'll provide a lot of, obviously, support, and I'll be that professional in the room mental health-wise, but you're the professional in the room on your life. Um, And that is terrifying to some clients, especially at first, right, when we don't know how Mm -hmm. to take up space and a room and a relationship in our lives. Um, That's very much my focus and approach. And something you said about – not showing up as well in those ways outside of the therapy room. I really, that resonated, that's resonated with me. So I think um, it, it's giving me a little bit of wanting to try to show up better and giving others mm. the power over their own life in my relationships, because I think sometimes I mean, we're human, we fall into our human ways. Um, and it's easier when we're not taking up as much space in the therapy room to give the others the direction. But yeah, I, yeah. I kind of want to lean into that more in my everyday mm-hmm. life. Yeah, we're, we're there together. <laughs> um, if people want to learn more about you or potentially work with you, if they're in Texas or Utah, where can they, how can they reach you? How can they learn more? Yeah, I have um, my Instagram account. Um, I actually have two. One is just therapy with Emily. That's therapy.with.emily. Um spelled kind of differently but that one is where I kind of talk about people pleasing just general kind of anxiety trauma relational stuff um and then I have religious trauma with Emily um also spelled the same way um, and that's where I kind of you know I want to keep those separate for the people who don't want the everything religious um mm. but um but yeah those are the two main places you can kind of find me and then on there I have my website you can learn more about me on there too and reach out from there so Perfect. I will link both of those. And I don't think I even knew you had two Instagrams. So I will be following both um, and link both in the show notes for people to have easy access. And Emily is E-M-I-L-E-E, just so people know. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Emily. This has been a fun conversation. Thanks for getting abstract and deep with me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Awesome. All right. Take care. This has been another conversation with your friend, the therapist. To follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at your friend, the therapist pod, and you can follow my work as a trauma therapist and yoga teacher on Instagram at Carrie Fillion Psychotherapy on my website, carriefillion.com. Take care and stay well.